disagree with. I want to just come back and say, no, no, you're wrong. <laughs> okay. First of all, and I know that I know you're wrong and I can prove you that you're wrong. And let's just body slam it right here so I can prove my superiority. First of all, attacking the person rather than the idea is probably not the best way to go about it. It's not from how to the win friends and influence people. <laughs> exactly. Whatever I want to do, and do not judge me. And so the message seems to go in Matthew 7 1. Judge not. Period. End of story, right? Isn't that what it says? I mean, there is a period. Judge not, lest you be judged, or something along those lines. But is that what that really means? Does it mean that, hey, you, you can't judge me at all? I think we'll find something a little bit different if you listen in on this podcast. Um, I hope you do, and hopefully, it will um, shed some light on this very tender subject of judgment in this uh, modern time. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy. So first things first, I took some valerian root just now, just to let you know. Hmm. You feeling a little you know, amped up? No, you know why I'm telling you that? So I don't smell your breath? <laughs> I take this valerian root stuff, liquid. It's a good anti-anxiety, natural, whatever this and that. Uh, but anyway, um, it's stinky. It's quite stinky. And so my wife can tell when I take it. Anyway, me and her were lying in the bed having sweet pillow talk. Couples and sweetness and the like. And she leans over and says... Did you just take some valerian root? No. Because your breath stinks. <laughs> the stuff is really stinky, but the point is, she thought I took it, and I didn't, and it was just my naturally stinky, corrupt breath, as the book of Job says. <laughs> so I would just like to start by saying that I feel vastly underprepared for this conversation. <laughs> you have this full notepad with all these little scribbles and, I've got and my your study bible, bible and, and, a pen. and then i'm just sitting here with my blanket and that's it <laughs> i have to have things like this to even come close to your iq oh whatever it's true let's have a conversation i want to ask you something to kind of get us going um what what is something that you have found intellectually interesting or stimulating here lately for you Oh, man. I have to just, like, narrow down to one? Something. It doesn't have to mean, yeah, probably one. One or two. Um, you don't have to go all the way down I, the rabbit hole. I guess the it. thing that is, like, continuously right now is um, reading Jordan Peterson's second book, Beyond Order. Mm-hmm. And it has been very good. It took me a long time to get through the first chapter. First of all, it's very, it's a long chapter in general. But it's a very deep concept of something that I had not entertained before. But once you get the basics, he kind of lays the groundwork in that first chapter, then he builds on that idea through the next few chapters. And it's, it, 
like getting through that first chapter felt like work. But now that I'm through it and I'm on to the fun part, I guess you could say. I was really glad to hear you say that early on because I too, you know, I'm reading the same book and I'm a awfully slow reader and I'm just, you know, making a bunch of excuses, ADHD, whatever. But I was glad to hear you say that in the beginning and others say the same thing. So anyway, it's been a blessing to me to hear you say that that book is more difficult, more cerebral because... I'm having a hard time getting through it. But Even after the first chapter, you feel that way? Yeah, hmm. I do. But you remember, I went through the first book on Audible, so it was a little easier. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I've also been doing a couple of other things this week. I've been making it a point to listen to some more podcasts than I normally would. We've had sick babies this week, and so I, I don't feel like I can really put back into myself like I typically would. So since I'm doing a lot of sitting and holding babies podcast has been sort of my go-to this week. And that's why we're here is because we need, we need adult conversation. Um, me and Valerie were talking about judgment the other day and how don't judge me seems to be all the rage these days. And it seems to be going along with the culture. Judgment. Um, basically approve and accept. I don't wanna I don't wanna hem us in too much to just that mm. s- section of, of that. But I guess that's the that's the segue. I mean so do you one of the things that I have been thinking about since we sort of briefed this conversation is that Judgment itself is not bad. We commend or compliment a person for having good judgment or for having sound judgment. We reward them. Yes. And even, I don't think we mind being judged as long as it's on the positive end of judgment. You know, if a random stranger walks up to you and says, man, I just really like your outfit. You have great style. That doesn't offend us because it's positive. It's affirming. It makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. We don't mind judgment as long as as it is positive in our favor. But judgment very much goes both ways. Yes, it does. And, And I think we can't expect the one without the other. But we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we expect everything someone says or why. thinks to be kind. I wonder why, though. I mean, I get what you're saying. and I, I think it's because most people, even good-intentioned good people, we see ourselves as normal. We are kind of the standard. <laughs> even if we are not normal, in our mind, we are normal. The way I dress, the way I behave, the way that I do certain things. This is normal. And so when someone does something... That is abnormal in our opinion. In our mind, then we cast poor judgment. Shade is another way. Negative judgment. We make split judgment, split decisions. And I, I don't think they're always fair, specifically when they are only external. You know, If you are going to make 
true judgment on someone, you need to get to know who they are. Mm. It needs to be internal, not just external. Mm. But I don't know that those external judgments ever fully go away. I think to an extent, when we see someone, we are going to instantly make some judgments about them based upon how they look. Mm. Now, that does not mean that I have to treat them that way based upon that. I ought to have a better moral character than just to treat someone based on my own preconceived notions that may or may not be true. But to... Okay, for instance, you hear people say something like, well, I don't see color. Talking about races. And I think that is utter garbage. But those words, I don't see color, is not truthful. That would be like someone looking at me and saying, I didn't notice you had freckles. I didn't notice you had red hair. Mm. I didn't notice you had blue eyes. We notice those things about people. But just because we notice them does not mean we treat them differently because we noticed it. Mm. We still need to learn about this person and get to know them and who they really are, not just what they look like. Mm. It's like you can't have it both ways. Either... You celebrate the collective or you celebrate the individual. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying if you're, if you're going to say, well, I don't see color, well, then you can't celebrate you being this color or that color. You can't celebrate your individuality. You can't celebrate your whatever. Right. You know, but you, you can. Um, it goes, <laughs> I, it kind of goes along with what I, I told you, I, I was talking to this lady yesterday or a couple of days ago about her tattoo and I didn't know what it meant. It was a little tattoo on her wrist and I was like, what is that? And it was right. a couple lines and a little squiggly and didn't know what it was. And she was, if I understand it correctly, she was basically saying that in, in Christ, we are the same. We are all together the same. You could say a collective, but we are also all different. Right. And, you know, if I have that meaning correct, I feel like that's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, because, gosh, who would want to live in a world when, when we can't celebrate our individuality? Okay, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Okay. Um, would you say that judge not... Because we, I think we both know we're going. We're going to end up in Matthew seven, when it talks about judge not, right? Mm-hmm. And judge not that you be not judged. And what's okay. the rest of that verse say? Let me see if I'm remembering it right. For with the judgment, judgment. you you pronounce, you. I'm reading from the ESV. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Mm-hmm. And see, so, I feel like the... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Let me ask okay. you a question. <laughs> so, would you say, culturally speaking, even religiously speaking, that those words, especially the first, that first verse right there, that's verse one, judge not that you be not judged, is taken out of context, used out of context, and even sometimes weaponized or used for at least a, a defense? Absolutely. How? Because... They take the first two words with no regard for the rest of the statement. They just say, judge not. Don't judge me. You're not supposed to judge me. You're not supposed to judge me. Basically giving themselves 
a license to behave, act, look any way they want to, and say, I can do whatever I want and you cannot judge it. But that's not what those words said. They but said, it did say judge not. But there were qualifiers behind it. It was not a simple sentence of judge not. It said, because when you do judge, the way you judge people is going to come back to you. Hmm. You're going to reap what you sow. Hmm. If you look at a person and make snap decisions based upon only what you see them to be, then the odds are that's going to come back and people are going to make that kind of judgment about you as well. And that's not how you want to be judged. Hmm. So don't judge other people you that way. You say the do unto others. I think that's exactly what it's saying. Because it says even at the end, you know, like the way that you measure this out, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. Hmm. I don't think it's, it's nearly as... I think sometimes Christians are, are a little superstitious. Also... <laughs> And I think we look at things like this, like in great um, mystery or or mysticism is what I mean. Here, here, let me let me explain that more. It's like it's like okay, so you don't judge me, or if 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 I judge you unfairly, then somewhere down the road, God's gonna do His thing, and it's gonna be a trickle down, and God's gonna make you eventually be judged the same way and you're going to have this aha moment and it's like well okay it's like it's a Hallmark movie <laughs> maybe and pixie dust trail and all that stuff and you're going to remember in that moment like oh, oh. this is because that one gonna time fall down at your bedside with your hands folded and say the Lord's Prayer and it's all going to be magically better <laughs> I don't think it's nearly as mystical as that Mm-mm. I think it's if you if if you as a person treat human beings and if you judge unfairly, mm-hmm. you will not just leave a track record of people will remember that. But the fact is, they will remember that. The people in your immediate circle, and I'm, I'm outside of your immediate family, or even inside your family, but to the restaurants that you frequent, to mm-hmm. the grocery stores, if you are known as a judgmental, harsh judgmental, non-grace-giving, mm-hmm. what in the rear end person if you're that person how realistically how can you expect for you to be given the same judgment when you need grace mm-hmm. but that's the thing is we we want other people to perceive us positively we want them to take the time to get to know us we want them to give us grace for our bad days and yet we have a hard time extending that to other people sometimes. I think it is a conscious effort. At least it is for me. Maybe it has to do with my upbringing. Maybe it has to do with the fact that I am a more guarded person. I do tend to be more guarded. I don't know, but it it, it is natural for me. I said this earlier. It is natural for me to judge someone externally. But I try to not let that be the deciding factor in how I view them. I make a conscious effort to get to know someone before I seal their fate, so to speak. Hmm. 
But it hadn't always been that way. No. For you. Mm-mm. Because I am a fairly perceptive person. And there are some times that I just get red warning flags about people. And I try to listen to those now because it's <clears throat> happened to me so many times. Yeah, it's fairly reliable. Because used to, I would think, oh, no, I mean, they're probably a pretty good person. And I'm just, like, I'm judging this unfairly. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would try to talk myself out of it. But now it's happened so often that when I get those huge red warning flags, I just listen. But there are a lot of times that I meet someone and I think, I mean, they were a little bit snobby. Or they were, like, not really making an effort in conversation. And so maybe I assign them this idea of arrogant. But maybe they aren't arrogant at all. Maybe they are just sealed off for a perfectly good reason. Or they they've get... been hurt or they've been abused or whatever it may be. And they are leery of letting someone else into their confidence. Maybe it has nothing to do with them being arrogant. And I need to take the time to get to know that before I just put that stamp on them and put them in this box. And that's how they are. And it could have been as something as simple as they're not that way at all. You just caught them. On a bad day. Right. When they were irritable or something just happened. Right. And I think there are some people that are very good at um, social interactions. They're very good at first impressions. And I think we can all work on those things to be better at them. But some people are just more socially awkward than others. Myself included. (laughs) And I am not great at making good first impressions. That's something that I'm working on. I'm trying to learn how to overcome certain mm-hmm. fears and anxieties in myself to make better first impressions on people. But I cannot tell you how many times I've had someone after we got to know one another, after we became friends, and I'm talking all the way back in middle school until now. So half of my life or more <laughs> that would say to me, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a snob <laughs> or I thought you were a not so nice word. <laughs> You have like, the resting, this, resting something face. Yes. <laughs> and because I am more quiet until I kind of get comfortable with the crowd, I tend to not say a lot. And honestly, like when I was in middle school and high school and even in college, when people would say those things to me, it would hurt my feelings. But then I started to think, you know what, Valerie, that is, that is what you showed them. That is how you're perceived universally almost. But like, but it was, it was me. The problem was not with them making a snap judgment about me. Like, yes, they didn't really know the full me, but they knew the only me I was showing them. Mm-hmm. That what I was showing them was reserved and closed off and And so you walled. couldn't really be mad at them anymore. Right. Like, I wanted to be kind of hurt that like, oh, man, that was their first impression of me. But really, the only person I could be upset at was myself. Mm-hmm. Because I did not allow them to see who I really was initially. I was doing it as like a way to try to protect myself, which I realize that now. But in reality, it didn't protect me from anything except gaining a possible friendship from Mm. this person. Their perception of me was not necessarily wrong. They were seeing exactly what I was revealing to them. When did that happen? When did that start to change? When did you observe that? I can't tell you exactly, but I do know that I was reading, um, rereading the book 
from Stephen Covey about the seven habits mm. of effective people. And I also at that time read a book by Dale Carnegie, and I can't remember the title exactly. It's something about um, winning friends, influencing people, something right, along right. those lines. How, how but, to win friends and influence people. Yes, I think mm-hmm. that is it. Mm-hmm. I was reading both of those books at that time. And so I think I was just more aware because of reading that type of book, it puts you in that frame of mind to assess yourself and other people. But in doing some self-assessment, I began to realize that, you know, the reason that people think I am arrogant or stuck up or witchy is because that's how I'm acting. <laughs> witchy. See what you did That there. wasn't the exact word, but it was did. close. <laughs> but it was like, because that's how I'm acting. I'm not allowing them to see the kind, compassionate, bubbly, weird underbelly of that. (laughs) You know, you brought up Stephen Covey, and I I wrote this down so I would remember that I I felt like that you were going to say that right there about the, uh, that famous quote, well, it's hit the fifth habit. Seek first to understand. understand. Mm -hmm. Then to be understood. understood. And I, because I think that goes with what we're talking about. Yes. Is we all want to be understood. Everybody wants to be understood. I, I heard a podcast the other day that, uh, or maybe it was on TikTok, a video, says in, in this area of our lives, we're all sort of little egomaniacs. <laughs> like, we want everything for us. And that sounds really negative, but we all want to be understood. We want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Me and you talked about that in ministry. Mm-hmm. And connecting with people. I I really don't think, I think introverts and extroverts both would be willing to connect more. Especially I would say the introverts because extroverts don't have a problem with connecting. <laughs> but they do have a problem with connecting deeply. Right. But I think both categories of people would be willing to connect more if they felt seen. I agree. But the door swings around. The the door revolves around because you can't expect to be seen. If you don't open up. If you don't open up Mm -hmm. and try to at least, even if you don't, I think it's possible to gain some ground with somebody Mm -hmm. if you are interested in them first. Yes. You have to open the door and you have to be not in a, oh, well, how's your kids and how's your, it's like, okay, well, fine. Get past that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But see them as a human being. Right. You know? I think this goes along with what you were saying there. I think that a lot of times when we come into a room, you're talking about the egomania. When we come into a room, we want to be perceived well. We are constantly thinking about how someone else is perceiving us. Do I look okay? Is my hair okay? Are my clothes okay? Am I dressed appropriately for this event? You know, we're like constantly analyzing all of these things about ourselves. And for me, when I get in my own mind, it's very difficult for me to make it about somebody else. And I think that the people that are the most judgmental are also those who lack the most confidence. So it's easier for them to sit back and be resentful for why they're not being 
why they don't feel like they're being perceived the way they want to be perceived. I just think they're so... I, I don't even think it has anything to do with anyone else. I think they are so worried about themselves. And me looking good... They are so worried about themselves that they never even consider someone else. They are the type of people that set the bar as, I am normal. I am ideal. Anyone who is below me is not worth my time. If you're better than me, then I'm angry at you because I want to be you. And it's just like this little lonely corner that you've isolated yourself in. It's a sullen bubble, it sounds like. You've just isolated yourself in this little world that's all about you. And so therefore, anyone in the room that is not making everything about you is your enemy. But then if you don't have a good time and people don't talk to you... Whose fault is that? But but what I'm saying is if that's your attitude and you don't have a good time and you don't talk to anybody, you can always just retreat to your own, like I said, sullen corner Mm -hmm. and just be resentful and dismissive yes of everybody well i just don't fit in here (laughs) and it's like really are is are they all the problem you couldn't connect with one person right even a little bit like even for someone like me that is not necessarily great at first impressions i am not great at Small making conversation small talk is a hard one and like you have to get your foot in the door with small talk yeah, like most people are not ready to just jump straight into hard conversation but i am not great at those things but it is something that i make an effort at honestly and even and more so i am learning is to just not let it be about me just genuinely want to know about someone else. And you don't have to be the most awesome person in the room. You don't have to. Let let them tell their let story. Let somebody else have the spotlight. Even if you have nothing to contribute, you can just listen. And let them have their moment. And you what, probably will learn something about them. What do you them. think happens when you get that right? When you approach that correctly? Seek first, understand, then to be understood. What what have you... Because I've noticed that in your conversation... We had a dinner with a couple of friends a couple of weeks ago, and I noticed that you had some, you had some questions and you had some conversation. I find that a lot of times, once I really understand another person's position, I am not as defensive of my own position. That's something that I initially just off the cuff disagree with. I want to just come back and say, "No, no, you're wrong." <laughs> Okay, first of all... And I know that I know you're wrong, and I can prove you that you're wrong, and let's just body slam it right here so I can prove my superiority. First of all, attacking the person rather than the idea is probably not the best way to go about it. It's not from how to the win friends and influence people. Exactly. Um, but after I ask a few questions and really get to see where they're coming from, like sometimes it's not even necessarily the the topic itself that I have a problem with. And I can say, you know what? I'm going to give them a little grace on that because I kind of agree. And I might narrow it down to like the one thing about this conversation that I disagree with. I'm going to say, okay, I think I agree with you except for this one little spot. And here's where I have a problem. 
But at that point, you're already softening the blow because it's like, you are not my enemy. I've listened to your ideas and I think 99 of them are awesome. There's this one little area that I think we might be kind of different, but even then I'm going to present how I feel about it and then I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to force you to agree with me so that we can agree on all 100 points on the table. And with any luck, and if the person desires truth Mm -hmm. and desires friendship, Mm -hmm. they'll take that. And you're, that is, man, that's hammering, that's hammering your way towards the truth. Right. If you're, I mean, through disagreement, through healthy disagreement, Mm -hmm. you're, you're moving towards the truth, hopefully. And if that other person is like-minded, man, that's a Mm win-win. And I think sometimes even in hearing them out fully, my own perceptions are swayed. Even if, like I said, even if at the end of it, there is still like, "Mm, I have a little bit of a problem with this theory, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And in being able to see where someone is coming from, it allows me, at least, I don't know if it's this way for everyone, but it allows me... To be able to debate the topic and not the person. Mm. Like, I'm not angry at you. You are not my enemy. Mm. This discussion, this truth we are trying to come to, here's where I disagree with you. Here's where I agree with you. Mm. And then from there, like, we can both kind of give a little or we can both stand our ground. But regardless, we remain friends. And even grow, I think most of the time in having those hard conversations, you even grow in a friendship or a relationship. I think when, when that is applied, and like you, that's a great method, by the way, just telling them, I, I agree with this and that, I disagree with this, you're sort of disarming that personal attack. Mm-hmm. But when you keep going that, and you're genuinely interested, like, it, you you learn more, yes. Not just about the person, but you you l- probably learn more in general, right? You know something that maybe you hadn't thought about before. You learn more. Mm-hmm. You become more empathetic, which we could all grow more empathetic, right? You know, and I mean, I don't know. You're asking more questions, which is, hey, that's mm-hmm. how you learn, right? You know. And I, I love to talk about things. I think I've said this. I know I've said this before to you. I think I've even said this before on another podcast. I love to talk about things that I feel like I understand well and have a good grasp on with people that have different opinions than me. Yeah. Like if someone just constantly agrees with you and they are sounding back your own opinions. Agree. 100% agree. It doesn't, it doesn't force you to think. It doesn't sharpen you. But when you talk to someone that has a different opinion, even if they only vary with you, like I said before, in one area, it's like, it, it makes me think and dwell deeper in that area. And, well, maybe they have a point here. And See, you're I making a that. point. You're making a point that you're talking. Now, we're talking about a friendly conversation, a hypothetical friendly conversation. Yes. I disagree with what whatever's point. But I think it's also... I think it's also good to go toe to toe with somebody who doesn't doesn't does not agree with you at all, so long as it can be civil and you know you can mm-hmm. talk, because that does the same thing. And even if somebody doesn't like you, like 
I think, you know, we're, we're both Christians. We follow the way, the truth, the life. We're trying to do the best we can, but, you know, we're, we're Christians, right? But let's just be honest. How often do we stick back in our, well, the popular term is echo chamber. How long do we stick back in our, how much do we just kind of hang out in our echo chambers and don't really engage the culture we don't really go outside of you know the people that just maybe disagree with us a little bit i think there's a danger in that in staying exactly where you've always been because i mean the culture is moving it's always moving i agree you know and people are being born Mm -hmm. and they're always growing and there's always the lost you know there's always the lost soul and so I guess I guess my the point I, I'm just I guess in a roundabout way I'm trying to make is it I don't think it's good the natural reaction if somebody comes at you like on the internet okay somebody <laughs> comes at you it's just like you know they just oh you're stupid and you're you know you just kind of want to beat your chest and be like oh just you know you want type but now the internet's a different ball game because yeah. you have trolls and people but. You know, we can still even disagree in kindness, even in a comment. We don't have to be jerks and be, I I see it myself, a superiority, a Christian superiority complex. Like, I've got to come right back at you like you. It's like, now everybody's getting burned. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess you should stand your ground in some case, but you don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to prove that you're the, the most smartest person in the room. That shows that you're not. I think when a person gets overly emotional about their position. That's when mistakes are made. And I think it's, it, it does the exact opposite of what they're trying to do. Like in getting emotional and in getting worked up, they're trying to bolster this confidence in their own theory. Hmm. Like I'm going to get loud and I'm going to prove this point to you. But to me, and I could be wrong here, but when a person starts getting loud or yelling or getting huffy and and just obnoxious, to me, I instantly view that as... Insecurity. You don't really believe that. Yep. Because if you did, we could have a normal human dialogue. I was telling you about the YouTube video or clip of the YouTube video that I saw of a preacher a well-known preacher preaching about being King James only. Yes. And I stopped the clip because he was trying to explain this position and you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in his face. He did not believe what he was saying, but because there's pressure. Of a bunch of reasons, the pressure and the ideology that mm-hmm. you have to stick to, if you're going to be in that circle, mm-hmm. which will remain unnamed, you, you have to stick with the ideology or risk losing everything. So, and I don't know what's going on in the person's heart. Right. But it's just easier to stick with the ideology and say, you know what, this has been good to me thus far. Not ruffle I can't go too far away from this. So, right. but I stopped it and just, there was, it was like deer in headlights. I'm trying to explain something I don't believe. And that's awful. I've been there as a preacher, as a younger preacher. I've been there trying to explain something I don't believe. And it's just terrible, you know. And I think sometimes we... Like, when those emotions get triggered, 
you're not thinking rationally normally. And so in that moment, we don't even realize how... Desperate you look. Yes. Yeah. Desperate is the perfect word. Yeah. You are just grasping at straws and clinging to something. And, and I feel like it's a little different if you know it's someone who's trying to push your buttons and like just be hateful. Yeah. And on the internet is a very easy way to do that because you, you're anonymous to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. So is it right to judge or is it not? I think judgment is good if it's done correctly. I think that, I, I was saying this earlier, I think that external judgment is natural to an extent, but that's not proper judgment. I can't remember where the verse is. It's John 7. I can't remember what verse it is. I know it's John 7. And Jesus is talking, and he says something along the lines of, do not judge by outward appearance, but judge correctly. Hmm. And within the context of the story there, it's like, These people are looking at what Jesus has done and he has broken the letter of the law, but he really has keeping, keeping, I'm not a word. (laughs) He has kept the spirit. Keeping and praying. (laughs) (laughs) And worshiping. It's like got two words mixed up in my brain, mushed them together. Anyway, um. He is holding to the letter or to the spirit of the law, but not the letter of the law. And these people are looking at him saying, you broke the law. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. And he says, guys, could we not just look at the outward and make a snap decision? Like, could, could we just judge correctly? Could you look at the whole picture before you make a judgment? Mm. You know, and I think as a human being, when we look at someone, we are destined to see the color of their skin, the color of their hair, the way that they dress, the way that they carry themselves. We are destined to see all of those things. And to an extent, it shapes our initial judgment of someone. Hmm. But if I am going to judge them correctly, I have to get to know them. I have to. And until I do, then I'm going to keep my mouth shut about everything else. Mm. Because all that stuff on the outside does not matter. Mm. It may reflect some of what's in their heart, and it may not necessarily. It may be a past life that they are done and over and through with, but I'm still seeing reflected on them. Mm. Until I get to know that person... And I know something about who they are inside, then I'm going to keep my mouth shut about the outside because it does not matter. Mm. Like it, it bothered me even, I would say, well before I was in, well before I was a good person. We'll just leave it that way. Before I was a spiritually minded person Decent at human all. Being. Yes. Even at that phase of my life, was very young, very naive, interwoven in this culture of judgment. But even then, it 
bothered me, give a specific without giving names, that there was a man in our church who had a good family and should have been considered for a staff position in that church and was not because he was overweight. That is not at all what I thought you were going to say. And in my mind at that time, all I could think was, mm. is that really the worst thing a person can be? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you now. Yeah. Like, on the other hand, you know, a person might be arrogant and self-centered. This man was not. Mm-hmm. A person might be prideful and a jerk and hard to get along with. This man was not. Mm-hmm. And it was like this one outward factor determined he's not getting this job because he doesn't look like I want him to look. Mm-hmm. And that is wrong. Yeah. Like there's no other way to put that. It is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Similar to good godly men not being con- considered for deacon positions in let's say Baptist churches they may be decent they may give they may be genuine and honest may have good families but if they were married before 20 years ago mm-hmm. and even if the marriage dissolved because of a legitimate Bible reason let's say yeah or even if it dissolved before they got saved or yeah. had a spiritual conversion that that I know is what's crazy. I know. And it's just like that's the unpardonable sin. That's the unfor but what you're saying is similar to that. It's like so we've Like so, I'm okay with this guy being my deacon who is known for being a cheat and a liar. And to have a temper and greedy, but he's only been married once. So he's like, like gosh man. That that doesn't even make logical sense much less spiritual sense that is the epitome of sticking to the letter of the law Mm. and losing the spirit of it (laughs) can I read to you just from Matthew 7 see if anything jumps out at you Okay. and and just I I wrote this down earlier The, the 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 meaning of the word judge in the verse that we're referring to, Matthew mm-hmm. 7. It means, that's the Greek word krino, and it means to distinguish or to decide, mentally or judicially. Mm-hmm. And there are positives and positive and negative like synonyms of what it could mean, to try, to condemn, to punish, to determine, so on and so forth. But it, it just means to distinguish, you right. know. And I would just put in a plug here that for anybody that says, well, Jesus said don't judge, and that's it. There are a couple times I wish I'd I'd have looked up the verses prior to this, but there are two times in the Gospels where Jesus uh, commended his disciples for judging well and judging faithfully. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think you have to. So to say that, well, Jesus said judge not and just go with that. Either Jesus contradicted himself or 
you're not looking at the whole thing, which let's just be honest, is a lot of times what we do. We right. pick and choose little verses and snippets and we don't even, and how, I don't know, I just feel like it's awful. And even like we talked about earlier, that one little snippet is not the full statement that's given there. Like yeah. just like that it's totally twisting the context of of that principle to just say, don't judge me. So it says, why do you see the speck? And King James says, moat. Which I never I always thought that was the water around a castle to keep the dragon. But anyway. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? How do you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your eye? You hypocrite. Take the log out of your eye, and you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. But it's not hard to see. Like, he didn't say, don't help your brother. He didn't say, don't correct your brother. There's a lot of times in the Bible, Old Testament and New, mm-hmm. where good, what's the word I'm looking for? Constructive criticism or correction, correction, is commended. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say don't correct. But he but says deal with yourself first. Deal with yourself first. If you've got a log, like if you've got a, a huge moral issue in your life, and it's like everybody else can see it even, right. or many other people can see it even. You know, you've got serious problems, and you're going to look at this guy that maybe is not doing some small thing, you mm-hmm. know, but you're going you're gonna to try to use that as a, as a platform to jump on him it's like, make righteous judgment. Make your judgment correct. Right. Don't be unrighteous and self-righteous, rather. That's mm-hmm. that's probably more correct. I mean, I think it... I think we saw this play out in churches. You know, you have... <laughs> in the types of churches that we were raised in, all the women come in their best dresses. All the men come suit and tie. If they weren't wearing a suit and tie, it was at least khakis and a dress shirt. You know, they looked very nice, dressed very well. Um, Then you contrast that with someone who's visiting. And they come in in just normal clothes. Maybe wearing a ball cap, hoodie, have a tattoo here or there. Mm -hmm. Maybe some extra piercings besides the one, which... I don't understand. Like, it's okay to have one, but don't have more than one. Come on, Valerie. Preach Valerie. (laughs) Um, Anyway, (laughs) have more than one. I wish y'all could see Valerie getting flushed right now. She really wants to go after this one, but Mm, I'm going to leave it alone. She's not going to talk about the tail. (laughs) So they have more than the one acceptable piercing. Mm -hmm. And instantly, it's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. I mean, there went win the lost at any cost right out the window. Yeah. Yeah. There went the love the sinner and hate the sin. It's gone because you're already judging that person. You haven't even spoken to them and said hello yet. They feel isolated. They feel judged. Why would they want to come back there? To be accepted into your group? Your country club. They have to be pretty desperate. And it's ev- ah, never mind. 
And I think it would be different if we, if we genuinely, genuinely went and saw that person and tried to get to know them. As a whatever. human being, yes. just as a person. If, even if all those other factors were in place, but you were genuine in approaching that person. But most of what I saw, and if I'm honest, most of what I did when I was that person, it was more of a like, oh, bless your heart. I'm glad you're here so you can be more like me. Yeah. And that's terrible. Yes, it's awful. Because I have just made myself the standard. <laughs> I've made myself the bar and for normal. And how's that worked out for you? Not well. Because <laughs> I'm not normal. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to get way too emotional about that. I'm going to have to leave it alone. It's going to make me angry. (laughs) Well, I think this has been a good... um, I don't really know where else to go from here. I think it's been a good... uh, reintroduction back into the podcasting world you know um if you are following the podcast (laughs) i i kind of let this discourage me if i'm honest a bit um we had some episodes go missing from apple Podcasts, and a couple of them went missing altogether and i couldn't after trying to research it and research it couldn't ever find any help um, you'd figure on the world of YouTube there'd be something about this, but it, there wasn't. So I let it discourage me. But um, I've Val- dragged him back into Valerie it. has a need for intellectual conversation, and we do talk about these kind of things sometimes. But this gives us an excuse to just sit down and hammer it out, and um, take an hour of like adult conversation see, time. I, I think <laughs> there there could be a whole podcast on that next verse. Don't give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs mm. lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you um you you could go a lot of different directions it's it's that verse seems almost out of place there mm. you know but um, i'm gonna have to save that one for next time because yeah. i already have thoughts Do you? <laughs> i'm gonna leave it alone though because it's good. gonna it's gonna make it too long that's good um well thank you all for tuning in to this episode of daylight and dark um i'm josh and i'm valerie and we'll hope we hope that you will share this episode and tune in again next time and thanks for being here bye thank you so much for listening this time around to this episode of daylight and dark i hope you'll do the thing do the thing you know how to do and subscribe if you happen to be one of those apple people rate it on the podcast it helps us a ton but if you really want to help us boot scoot and boogie on this thing share it around uh, for more content be sure and listen to our other episodes found here or follow me uh, josh on tiktok or youtube uh, visit the website if you want i don't care just do your thing we'll post the links in the show notes if you want to do that Uh, For Daylight and Dark Podcast, I am Josh. Grace and peace to you.